always punch up. This is the Punchy Panda Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Punchy Panda Podcast. Keep good, keep on Twitter. You can always hit me up with your comments, questions, concerns, or anything you want me to speak about. This is going to be a special another special podcast surrounding all things UFC 232. Uh, It's going to be broken down into two parts. Part one is just going to be about the wonderful John Jones and Alexander Gufskin main event. And then part two is going to be the rest of the card. I'm just going to start off with part two first since my last podcast was John Jones heavy. And I just want to emphasize how wonderful the event was in its entirety throughout all the drama, controversy. UFC knows how to put on an amazing show, and they did again this Saturday night. Very impressed with the two million gate on three days' notice. That was impressive. But the overwhelming, most impressive performance of the night for me would have to be, well, they got performance bonuses, but it would be Petter Jan. At number three, he fought Douglas Silva D'Andrage, a very long name, very crazy hair. And the way he just systematically and cerebrally picked him apart was very impressive. He fought on the undercard on um, Fox Sports 1, bandwidth, very impressive. Also, um, Ryan Hall, the ability to just simply dismantle BJ Penn like that was outstanding going up a weight class Dan White even said he put BJ Penn in that contest so he wouldn't have to worry about him getting punched and he didn't he just had to worry about him getting his uh, knee ripped apart he uh, submits BJ Penn for the first time in his career and that really signifies an end of an era and um, I was going to talk about Amanda Nunes right now but I'll save that for a second and bring up Michael Chiesa, who had a um, big win over Carlos Condon, somebody who I thought, you know, who didn't get a performance bonus, but definitely had a wonderful performance that really stood out on a card full of amazing performances. And that one-arm Kimura was absolutely beautiful. Very disturbing to watch. It looked super painful. I hope Carlos is okay. I, I like I, Like they said on the broadcast, I'm not sure if he um, needs to retire or maybe just get a um, a step down in competition. All of the people that he's been facing are, you know, hungry, either lightweights coming up who have been mainstays in that division or they're just hungry young lions in this welterweight division. So I'm curious to see his next move from here, but I know that he'll be back. And now we can talk about the lioness, Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez becomes the first person in over 10 years to stop Chris Cyborg. And she does it on the feet. It was a fire fight. It was, it reminded me a lot of. Um, the Bantamweight, um, Hands of Stone versus, um, oh my God, Rivera, um, 
Lineker versus Rivera when they just decided, okay, it's time to fight. Let's go. I, ironically, that's two Brazilians. It's just like when you trigger that battle instinct, they go to war. And Cyborg and did not stand down when she probably should have. The speed, the accuracy, and the technique was just outstanding by Amanda Nunes. I didn't, of course, you never pick against Cyborg unless you're insane. And she just showed why she's the most dangerous, the most versatile, and the greatest fighter in mixed martial arts women's history. She did it all. She has done it all. The only problem is we don't know who for her to fight next. The obvious choice is Holly Holm, but she's already beaten Ronda and Cyborg, so the Holly Holm fight seems easy. But Cyborg fought Holly Holm way different than she fought Amanda. So maybe that small variance in style could cause Amanda some difficulties. I wonder what weight class they would fight at if they did fight. As far as Cyborg, she's on the last fight of her UFC contract. Honestly, I I would hope they would just release her so she can go make a lot more money towards the end of her, um, you know, the end of her career. Now that she's not the big bad buddy woman anymore, now she can just take fights, and people will actually think they have a chance. Before, no one had any chance, but now at least people have a chance. And it opens up a lot of information to featherweights to say, like, hey, there's more than one girl here. We can move up and we can do something big in this division. Highly doubt that happens. But um, at least, you know, maybe they can close out the featherweight division in the UFC, the women's side, and then maybe we can keep 125. Not going to happen. I don't know. That would be a wonderful thing to see, though. So Amanda Nunez joins the elite, elite class of champions who are simultaneous champions in two different weight classes with Conor McGregor and um, Asterisk DC, Daniel Cormier. I think she can become a big star. I hope finally people like me can stop doubting her and that she can even hopefully she can still get big fights in the future as far as the rest of the card again wonderful card I already highlighted a couple undercard fights um we had um Elito Ortiz versus Corey Anderson very Corey Anderson-esque performance hustle hustle hard cardio on point overtime if you will I'm gonna put in the work overtime I don't know how you can Change your name to overtime when there's literally a dude in your division called No Time. Seems kind of backwards. Um, then we had the fight of the night. Oh boy, I'm glad I said a little bit aside. I'm going to set it sometime to talk about Alexander Volkanovsky, who looked outstanding. He looked, it, it was weird. It, it, it was like him and Mendez married each other very much, who he defeated in the second round. The first round was just 
information gathering. It was very, very competitive. It was very high paced. You could see in the round where Mendez needed to take. It was very reminiscent of the Conor McGregor fight in, in round two, where you could see where he was fading when he didn't get the takedown. Of course, Alexander Volkanovsky is a great wrestler himself, and he has amazing hands. I hope someone can tell me this on Twitter at Keep Good Keith. How many fights have Alexander Volkanovsky had in the UFC? I can't even remember off the top of my head. I believe it's either four or five, but he has the the third most significant strikes in UFC history with with less than ten fights. In the history of the entire sport, the way he was hitting Mendez, it seemed like every punch was on point, methodical, utilized every position that he was in, and really put it on Mendez to the point of where he, he had no choice but to give up. And stopping Mendez is something that many fighters can't do. Many fighters know... Only the champions of the divisions have even beaten Mendez before. Well, besides Frankie Edgar, and we all know how that is. So, cracks into the top five. It makes things a lot more interesting. At Featherweight, I thought Max Holloway had cleared out the division, but now we have Moikana, we have Volkanovski, Bektik, if he can get another big win, and um, Char- um, Zabit. That's what fight I really want to see. Zabit versus Bektik. That would be sick. In the main event, we have John Jones defeating Alexander Guffson at 2-0-2 in round number three via um, KO, via strikes on the ground. It looked like a different John Bones Jones. It was still classic him, but the way he just broke down Guffson was amazing. It broke him down in a different way, but the way, but I mean to say that he's the same John Jones is that he systematically removes things that you can do against him. He takes away your weapons and utilizes his variety. He didn't throw that many combinations. He didn't even hit him with anything dynamic besides a leg kick, which you got, you know, think about it. We're talking about high level MMA. When's the last time besides Jose Aldo, we're talking about a leg kick? doing a massive amount of damage in a championship fight. Oh, Yoel Romero. Oh, that was sick what he did to Robert Whitaker, his leg. that was Oh, that was incredible that Robert Whitaker was able to fight through that. But that was, he just took him down to the ground, pounded him out on the feet, kept things at range. He used a lot of jumping in elbows. Those range weapons, the front kick to the, to the knee, lead kick to the leg, the teeth to the body, the elbows on the outside, these are the things that kept Gustin outside of boxing range where he has his most lethal weapons. I'm surprised Gustin didn't throw more kicks, probably because he didn't want to get taken down. Um, Gustin's pressure was good. Th- those things looked good. It's just like John Jones was dialed in and he knew exactly what he needed to do in order to obtain victory, which he did. Of course, he called out D.C., there's Anthony Smith waiting in the wings for him. But the one thing I really want to see is him versus the Nevada State Athletic Commission and him versus the 
voluntary anti-doping agency. I want to see the results that come back from these tests, his hearings. Hopefully he's not suspended again. Hopefully we can cover the 2018 with big fights. Looking forward to him. The light heavyweight division is the most exciting that it's ever been since he was coming up, really. So I'm looking forward to what could happen in the future. John Jones' IQ and fight technicality is what separates him, and perhaps the drug tests, but it's definitely that first thing. And the decisions that he makes and the ideas that he comes up with, like like those lead-in elbows or something only he could do physically, but the teats of the bot, but the knowledge of crashing into his leg, hurting his shin, obtaining that knowledge, and then utilizing that in the very next round to get the finish is something that I believe only John Jones can do. And I believe that maybe he can do it with a picogram. Maybe he doesn't, he doesn't need a picogram. Pico, Pito, Pablo. I don't know what it is. And I don't need to know what that, that stuff is. Hopefully Nevada can adjudicate this quickly and we can get into talk about big fights for John Jones. I thought it was funny, his interaction with Anthony Smith on UFC on Fox. Luckily, we don't have to do that thing anymore. That was always weird. But I'm just looking forward to the future in the light heavyweight division and maybe even a fight at Cormier at heavyweight. Two things um, non-performance related um, that I want to bring up is um, Megan Anderson. I Well, I guess technically it's performance related, but Megan Anderson's toe kick to Katzengano, something that was very, very odd in the event, and I feel so bad for Katzengano. She's had a short end of the stick many, many occasions, and now she's looking at another defeat. And But Mika Anderson, you know, maybe she can be a challenge for Amanda Nunez. I think she's very green in her career, but that's at least something to look forward to. Let me know on Twitter what you guys think that should happen in a situation when someone is literally towed in the eyeball. Do you think that it should be treated as a eye poke? Or do you think that it should be treated just like any other strike to the face? If it's a punch to the face... With a closed fist, the fight is not stopped, traditionally. So I think that's what Mark Garner was leading into. But I just want to know what you guys think. At Keith on Twitter, let me know what's your position on that. And also, I want you to know the position on Chad Mendez. It um, came out this, that he's actually retiring from the sport. I think it's a little premature for that personally, but I would love to see your take on that. You know, after two years off and... Um, come you know, being one and one, it's gonna be a hard climb back in this stacked featherweight division. Especially as he said, there's a bunch of young, hungry lions that are coming out trying to make a name off of him. So he's in a very dangerous spot, and I um, hope things are successful for him in the future. And what a career! Again, he's only been defeated by the greatest in the featherweight division former champions in the UFC, so he can hang his hat high, definitely, you know, help put Team Alpha Male at a staple, went on one of the, you know, greatest runs I've seen in lightweight, I'm sorry, in featherweight, winning five fights in a row to get the second shot at Aldo, so I hope um, everything goes good for him in the future. 
Thank you for listening to the Punchy Panda Podcast. One quick shout-out before I go. Uriah Hall, my boy, getting back into the win column. Love to see that. Hope to see bigger and better things for him in the future. I do want him to um, move up to 205. Additionally, great pay-per-view. Under the circumstances, we can't expect anything better from the UFC. Again, hit me up. Keep good keep on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to the Punchy Panda Podcast. And of course, punch up.